Amen. Please be seated. If you have your copy of God's Word with you this morning, I do invite you to turn with me to the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 29, for our passage this morning. We've been walking through this middle section of the book of Genesis, looking at the patriarchs, beginning with Abraham, and then we made our way through Isaac, and now we are in process of studying the life of Jacob. And just in case any of you are wondering, two things very quickly. As my last Sunday, I was asked, well, are you going to preach a special passage this morning in light of your last sermon? Of course I am, the next one in the series. Um, and then what next? What's going to happen when, when you leave and uh, as guys take over the pulpit, where are they going to pick up uh, the second half of chapter 29? Uh, because the Lord gives us His Word, and it is good, and it is faithful, and it is true. And as long as we are faithful to it, He will bless His people by it. And so, just a little bit of background um, where we are at. If you're visiting with us this morning, uh, we have reached the portion of Jacob's life where he has made his way to Laban. He has fleed his own household uh, out of fear of his brother uh, taking his life. Last week, Pastor Billy uh, um, uh, preached for us the text where Jacob is met in a dream by the Lord. He's given a, a vision of God's mercy and goodness to him. And upon this kind of retelling of God's promises and God's faithfulness, uh, Jacob sets up a memorial stone, a stone for him, for his family, for those that would come after him, that they would remember God has spoken to me. And now we see him continuing on his journey. He was sent to the house of Laban to find a bride. And we will begin the process of that happening with our text today. Um, and uh, ministers further on will continue that narrative with you. That is what, where we find ourselves this morning. I want to read uh, verses 1 through 20. And so I invite you to please follow along with me. You can also find this on the insert inside of your bulletin. The word of the Lord, Genesis chapter 29, beginning in verse 1. Then Jacob went on his journey and came to the land of the people of the east. As he looked, he saw a well in the field. And behold, three flocks of sheep lying beside it. For out of that well the flocks were watered. The stones on the well's mouth were large, and when all of the flocks were gathered there, the shepherds would roll the stone from the mouth of the well and water the sheep and put the stone back in its place over the mouth of the well. Jacob said to them, My brothers, where do you come from? They said, We are from Haran. He said to them, Do you know Laban, the son of Nahor? He said, We know him. He said to them, Is it well with him? They said, It is well, and see, Rachel, his daughter, is coming with the sheep. He said, Behold, it is still high day. Is it not time for the livestock to be gathered together? Water the sheep and go pasture them. They said, We cannot until all the flocks are gathered together and the stone is rolled up from the mouth of the well. Then we will water the sheep. While he was still speaking with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she was a shepherdess. Now as soon as Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, Jacob came near and rolled the stone from the well's mouth and watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. Then Jacob kissed Rachel and wept aloud. And Jacob told Rachel that he was her father's kinsman and that he was Rebekah's son. And she ran and told his father. As soon as Laban heard the news about Jacob, his sister's son, he ran to meet him and embraced him and kissed him and brought him to the house. Jacob told Laban all of the things. And Laban said to him, Surely you are my bone and my flesh. And he stayed with him a month. 
Then Laban said to Jacob, Because you are my kinsman, should you therefore serve me for nothing? Tell me, what shall your wages be? Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah's eyes were weak, but Rachel was beautiful in form and appearance. Jacob loved Rachel, and he said, I will serve you seven years for your younger daughter, Rachel. Laban said, It's better that I give her to you than I should give her to any other man. Stay with me. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed to him but a few days because of the love he had for her. The grass may wither and the flower may fade, but the word of the Lord will stand forever. Would you bow with me as we ask for God's presence to be upon us during this time? Almighty God, we come before you this morning responding to your word. We have heard it proclaimed, but we know unless the power of the Holy Spirit go forth, seeing we will not see and hearing we will not hear. And so, Lord, I ask through the power of your Holy Spirit, would you give us eyes and ears and a heart willing to receive this word? Father, with the truth of your providence and with the truth of the great love of which you have for us, be proclaimed faithfully and boldly through this passage. Use me, your servant, O Lord, for your glory and for your people's good. I pray these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. I remember a moment that happened um, uh, over probably the last month in our home. One of our sons wanted to make himself a piece of toast, but he wanted to do it all by himself. In fact, he was quite insistent that this be the case. So the first thing he does is say, hey, get down the bread, please. And then, can you move the chair over to the toaster? Oh, I'm having trouble with this twist tie. I need you to open it. That's not a true statement. I don't believe in those. Um, I would have taken it off. I probably unrolled the bread. <laughs> Sorry about that. I've got to be accurate here. Where's the butter? Can you open the child's safety to get the knife out of the drawer? I need the cinnamon sugar. Please open the lid. All of this takes place, and then Lisa comes in the room for the child to proudly exclaim, Hey, Mom, look what I did all by myself. Sometimes I believe we treat God the same way. We are all quick to proclaim our victories, aren't we? And tell others how we managed to do something significant on our own strength, by our own power. But how often in those moments do we stop and thank God for the little things, the, the minor providences that He's given us to even get us to that place? From our passage this morning, Jacob is entering into a season where he is constantly met with the providing hand of God. Whether he recognizes it or not, whether he appreciates it or not, whether he sees it or not, it remains true that God's hand is with him, as was his grandfather, as was his father. And so to bring this out in our text this morning, I want you to see three ways in which the Lord provides for Jacob. I want you to see this morning how the Lord provides direction and guidance. I want you to see this morning how the Lord provides the means to fulfill His promises and His there being the Lord's. 
And then thirdly, I want you to see this morning that the Lord provides opportunities for spiritual growth. So let us consider each of these points this morning, seeing how the hand of the Lord provides. You cannot read a passage like this and and fail to see the Lord's hand at work, especially as readers of such a passage. Walk back just a moment. Um, When Jacob left his family, he was fleeing for his life. He was running out of fear of his brother murdering him. It was so bad, his brother was telling anyone who would listen. Their mother knew of this because it had been told to her. And out of fear of this, she tells him, you have to go. And then last week, in the midst of this running Uh, Pastor Billy read for us the the previous chapter where Jacob gets this vision of the ladder and the promise that God will provide for him. God had not abandoned Jacob. And we see a shift. We, we, We see a posture change from last week and even the weeks prior to this passage. The Hebrew here could say, um, you, you really could read, instead of, then Jacob went on his journey, uh, you could translate it in the Hebrew to, then he picked up his feet. And I want you to get this mental image almost of one skipping, of one almost going now with purpose and intent and joy. This, this is not a man running for his life from his brother. This is a man who knows what he is doing and knows what he is about, and he does so with gladness. And let me ask you something. What was the catalyst? What was the changing moment? What made the difference for Jacob? Receiving a word from the Lord. He heard from God, and from that point forward, he was a changed man. Now, there's a lot of change that needs to take place, and you're going to have to um, be in his narrative for a while to fully see it come through. But just as a point of application this morning, before we get any further into the text, I want to remind us the Lord still does this in our lives today. When the Lord speaks and when we hear, truly hear, by the power of the Holy Spirit, our lives are changed. And that's what you should demand every time you come before the Lord, every time you come before His Word, every time you hear it preached and taught through your own personal study and Bible studies in the pulpit God, speak to me. I need to hear you. And that is a prayer the Lord is glad to hear and glad to respond to. And we see the impact on Jacob. The Lord in His wisdom and mercy is often providing exactly what you need from His Word because He knows you and He loves you. Past week, we had the privilege of attending the 50th General Assembly of our denomination. I was able to hear from a pastor. I had not heard from him before. I probably should know him, and sadly, I didn't. His name was Reverend Randy Thompson. And the the opening sermon of the opening of the General Assembly, he picked a, a book of the Bible that I have dared not attempt yet, the book of Lamentations. And I loved what he said at General Assembly. Why? Why on earth am I coming from this book? And I will tell you, I have rarely heard a more powerful, more impactful, more timely, and more appropriate sermon uh, than we heard from Reverend Randy Thompson that day. And the reason it was that impactful and meaningful 
is because the Lord knew what we needed to hear. We needed to know that we are a people who lament, but we don't lament without hope. We will lament because we are a people of God. That's what the Lord did for us this week at General Assembly. That's what the Lord does for Jacob here, and that's what the Lord's doing for you right now. And so if we continue on in this, intro, this um, introductory section, as we see Jacob making his way to the fields of Laban, Look at the ways in which the Lord is providing what Jacob needs. Jacob just so happens to come to a well with shepherds who know the man that he's looking for. Mere coincidence, right? He, he goes east. There's a lot of, you look at what is east, that's a wide swath. He goes east and just happens upon this particular well with these particular shepherds. At this particular well with these particular shepherds on this particular day, Laban's daughter Rachel just so happens to be doing the duties of a shepherd. Now you would expect these to be done um, by the men, um, but she sometimes takes up the mantle and sometimes fulfills that role. And so just so happens on this day, she does just that. The well also just so happens to have a stone on it that is so great that it takes multiple shepherds to roll it back Oh, by the way, Jacob is extraordinarily gifted by the Lord and is extraordinarily strong. So much so, he sees this woman he wants to impress, and he goes up on his own strength, the Lord's strength through him, and rolls the stone away. Mere coincidence, right? But maybe you find yourself saying, well, well pastor, the Lord's not really mentioned in this passage, neither is he in the book of Ruth. But I would dare say you cannot walk away from this text and see fail to see that the Lord is present. And I can prove it to you. Why? Because if you've been with us in this series, if you've been with us for many weeks, haven't you heard this before? Doesn't this text this morning sound a lot like what we heard all the way back to chapter 24 when Abraham sent Eleazar to his people? And he said, I need a son, or I need a wife for Isaac. Go and find a faithful wife. Where does Eleazar go but to a well? And at that well, there is a testing. Eleazar pleads with the Lord, Lord, provide the person that I am to speak to. Give me the woman that I am to bring home to my master. And he is brought to Rebekah who now is the mother of Jacob. You see, the Lord, from our perspective, we may see a string of coincidences. We may see happenstance. We may see happy little accidents, uh, as a great painter was oft to quote on his PBS show. But I'll tell you this, too. I, I found this out recently. Um, that, that very painter, uh, if you go back and look at his collection over the years, he was actually painting one scene. You can go back and run all of them together, and it's one picture. I encourage you to go and do that. Uh, look at that this week. In the same way, the Lord is not creating happy little accidents. The Lord knows precisely what he's doing. And he's demonstrating to Jacob and, and Laban. Laban gets it more than Jacob does. The Lord's hand is at work here. As we prepare to shift, we're, we're, we're looking at and talking about how the Lord is providing 
The Lord is providing and preparing Jacob. The Lord provided his strength. The Lord provided his path. The Lord provided that day that Rachel would be the one to come. The Lord provided shepherds who knew Laban. Let us remember as we see those things and hear those things, it's not just that the Lord orients our compass and goes, go this way and good luck. It's not just that He gives us a map. It's that He takes it a step further. He then provides the means to fulfill His promises. He doesn't just say, here's where you go. Talk to me when you get back. But then He provides the very means. Because what is Jacob going to do? What is his intent here? What is his purpose? Well, if you go back to Genesis chapter 28, the Abrahamic blessing offered to Jacob, God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you that you may become a a company of people. May He give the blessing of Abraham to you and to your offspring that you may take possession of the land of your sojourning that God gave to Abraham. And then the Lord confirms these words in a dream. I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south, and in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised. And we need to ask ourselves something. Maybe you're tired of hearing this question because we asked it of Abraham. We asked it of Isaac. And we now ask it of Jacob. What is the missing piece of the puzzle to get from promise to promise fulfillment? Just like his grandfather, just like his father, he has been promised to be a mighty people, a nation of people, a people that will worship and follow God. Problem is, he is single. And he has no children. And so we've got a great promise, but there's a piece that needs to be fit in. And so it is on this day, he comes to the well. And Rachel comes to shepherd the flock. Now, I have struggled this week with a simple question related to this encounter, and I've posed it to a couple of you. Knowing his mission, Jacob's mission, go to Haran, go to the house of your family, Laban, and find a wife amongst them. And seeing what we see in the text, does Jacob here fall for Rachel out of infatuation? out of desperation, due to her beauty, or is there something more going on? Let me put it differently. Is this that 17-year-old boy that goes to summer camp and falls in love with the first girl he sees when he gets off the bus? Or is there something divine going on here? And after much consideration and much prayer, I am concluded that there's much more going on. That, that we shouldn't see Jacob as some mere teenager with a teenage love interest, but as one who is beginning to trust his God. And we see evidence of this all throughout our passage. Uh, namely, her beauty is not mentioned near, till until near the very end of the passage. 
Her, her extraordinary beauty is not brought up until we get toward the end. Also, look at verse 10. Jacob sees Rachel. While he was still speaking, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she was a shepherdess. And now listen to verse 10. This is the telling verse. And ask yourself, is it because of Rachel or because of Laban that he does these things? Now, as soon as Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, Jacob came near and rolled the stone from the well's mouth and watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. Then Jacob kissed Rachel and wept aloud. And Jacob told Rachel he was her father's kinsman and that he was Rebekah's son, and she ran and told her father. You see, the, the emphasis here is, is not on the love of which he is kindling for Rachel. It's actually on the Lord bringing him precisely where he was called to be. In fact, one commentator says of this passage uh, I read this week, Jacob immediately identifies himself to Rachel and he kisses her. That would have been a familiar greeting. And, I, and the commentator says, in this context, it probably is more already than a simple family affection. There's going to be some attraction going on. But Jacob weeps for joy because God has done something remarkable. God brought him on a long journey to exactly the right place at exactly the right time and precisely to the woman that he will spend much of the rest of his life with. You see, Jacob falls in love with Rachel out of a reaction to the loving hand of God. He came to Haran by the desire of his mother to find a woman to marry out of the house of Laban. Through his wandering, he just so happened to be at this place at this time, and she just so happened to come and knowing that the Lord has fulfilled precisely that which was placed upon him, Jacob becomes overwhelmed and weeps tears of joy. And so the Lord not only gives him direction, he also gives him the means to fulfill that which he has promised. And because of this, I am convinced that Jacob is actually starting to show signs of spiritual maturity here. Now, I say all of that to qualify with this. He was definitely attracted to her. He, he definitely saw this as a good deal, if you will. How do we know that? Well, let's look at our third section. The deal is made, I will work for you for seven years to pay off her bride price. You don't do that for someone you're not interested in. And so we've seen the Lord's direction, we've seen the Lord's provision, and now we see opportunity for spiritual growth. And we need to think a little bit about where Jacob has come from. He's bought the birthright of his family by selling his brother some soup or stew. He got the blessing of his father through pretending to be his brother, through deceiving his brother and his father. He has gained much in this life through deception and, and through um, less than stellar means. He's not one to look to and go, all right, children, um, I want your work ethic to model that of Jacob. <laughs> At least not in the early portions of his life. And we see that man fleeing his brother 
And even here at the well, if we go back to the story of Eleazar and Rebekah, what is, what is important over Eleazar? His name's rarely mentioned. In fact, we have to go elsewhere to, to get his name. Do you remember what, what we said about him that marked him different? What does he do every opportunity he can? He prays to God. God, give me wisdom. God, give me guidance. God, give me mercy. May your hand be upon this decision for the sake of my master, for the sake of Isaac. Do we see that in Jacob here? Do we get a similar reaction? The Lord be upon me? No. There's actually an absence. There's a notable absence of that in this passage. Like I said, the Lord's not mentioned. And so we, we take all of that and know that that's how Jacob is coming in. And then we, we, we think or answer it with this. God loves him. God cares for him. And God is about to send him to school so that he comes out of it knowing it and trusting it. Laban will become the instrument by which the Lord will bring about spiritual growth in Jacob. Laban was there when Eleazar went to the house of Rebekah. He probably welcomed Jacob thinking, I really came out well last time. Let's do that again. But unfortunately, Jacob messes up. The, the, the text tells us these words. Jacob told Laban all these things. Now, what did he tell him? I am the heir of my father, Isaac. I rightfully have all of his possessions and wealth at my disposal. As soon as my father dies and my brother stops trying to kill me and I can go back and actually get them. It's all mine! Sometime down the road. I actually didn't even have a pillow to sleep on, as we saw evidence in the last chapter, and had to use a rock. But here's who I am. Laban probably didn't appreciate that like he did when Eleazar came with the camels, right? It probably wasn't one of those moments where he's like, all right, let's cash it in again. We actually get a different response out of Laban. Oh, well, welcome to my household. Uh, what are your wages going to be? Because uh, I'm going to need you to work. <laughs> you're going to have to work, and I'm going I'm to pay you something, but uh, you're going to work. To be the heir of his father's wealth and possessions, to become a servant in the house of Laban. That's the, the start of the sanctifying process for Jacob. But what does Jacob say is his price? I will work for seven years for the hand of Rachel. Now, the, the text makes a point to tell us here that she has an older sister named Leah, and, and bless her, poor Leah. Uh, she has weak eyes. No idea. <laughs> we, we're, we're not sure what that means. Um, we can assume from that that she's not as attractive as her younger sister. Um, we can uh, assume from this passage and what happens afterward uh, that there's not many suitors coming to the house offering to work off their debt to purchase or to marry Leah. But that you'll have to get to later. Jacob, on the other hand, he sees Rachel and he loves her dearly. And in fact, our text says, I will serve you seven years for your younger daughter, Rachel. Laban says, it's better you than in someone else. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel. They seemed to him but a few days because of the love he had for her. Seven years he labors. 
Now, at risk of getting myself in trouble, it took me three dates uh, to want to marry Lisa, and I probably could have the first date and been perfectly content. I'm 13 months from first date to wedding only because I couldn't shorten it any quicker. And Jacob said, I'll work seven years if that's what it takes. I wouldn't wait in seven years. But his love was so great that he said, I will pay the price. Here's the beauty of the Lord and his wisdom and guidance, though. Seven years wasn't going to be enough to humble this man. Seven years wasn't going to be enough to bring him to the place that we know him later in Scripture as he's called Israel. Seven years is not enough. It's going to be 14. And in 14, it's actually going to be more than that. And actually, he's going to end up having to flee Laban and run away with his possessions and with his wives and with his children and some idols to have to wrestle with. But, again, I'll leave that for later things. But what a mercy and blessing. How many of us would willingly choose this path? How many of us would go, I would gladly give away 14 years of my life to marry the woman that I feel called to marry after having to receive her older sister. And yet, when the Lord knows we need it, He provides it. When the Lord knows that we need to be humbled, we need to be brought down, we need to be sanctified, He will give us that which we need. It is no mere coincidence that Jacob, a deceiver by nature, is used by a deceiver to gain the desires of his heart. But Lord willing, when you get to chapter 32, you're going to see a much different man. You're going to see a man who the text tells you in chapter 32 wrestles with God. You're going to see a man, not a deceiver, not a usurper, not one who uses trickery, but a man who clings to the presence of the Lord and demands, you be with me now, and I will not let go until you tell me you will. But to get there, we've got to be here. And oh, dear church, hear this as a word of encouragement. Quite often, the Lord needs to bring you here. The Lord needs to bring you here. Uh, this morning in, in Sunday school, we uh, covered the topic of biblical theology, seeing a, a passage of Scripture in light of the whole. So as words of, of, of application and, and conclusion this morning, I, I ask us, What do we see in this passage that helps us see or understand or take part in the whole? The whole of Scripture. Well, first it would be this. God is sovereign and God is good. And sometimes His goodness to you is going to look like 14 years of labor for the desire of your heart. Sometimes His goodness to you is to send you to Babylon. Sometimes His goodness to you is to see the temple destroyed and the people scattered so the gospel will go forth. Sometimes His goodness to you will look like pain and persecution and loss and heartache. But don't forget that it is good because it comes from God. So that's one thing we should walk away from this text seeing. The second thing, and I would be remiss if I did not bring this up. Jacob was willing to pay a great price for that which he loved. For the first time, we see him sacrificing, denying himself, and seeking the Lord's will and the desires of his heart, and paying for it and paying dearly. But Jacob's going to fail, just like his father and his grandfather. And the patriarchs that would come later, the the tribes of Israel, they're going to fail, 
just like their forefathers did. But if we continued this narrative on, if we continued this line forward and we kept going through the Scriptures, the hope of the one to come who would not fail, just the next text and the next text and the next text and the next text, we would get to the Gospels. We would get to the story of Jesus Christ. We would get to one who came so loving His people and so desirous of them. It's not that he gives up 14 years of his life. He gives his life for his bride. He pays it with his blood. A perfect and good sacrifice. And so as we see this story of Jacob, it should should burn in us a desire for more. Oh God, would someone love us like Jacob loved Rachel? That's not the thing here. Because anyone we put in that place other than Jesus will fail us. Our spouses will fail us. Our children will fail us. Our businesses will fail us. Our professions will fail us. All of these things will fail. But the one who has not, will not, and is not failing is Jesus. He bought his bride with a price. We're unfaithful and he is faithful. Unto the very end. So my last point of application, which really should be the application of every text we come to, trust in him. Trust him, his providence in your life, his blessing upon you, even when it looks like a curse. Cling to the finished work of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and know that you were bought with a heavy price, not 14 years of labor, but by the blood of the Son. And by that, you are forgiven if you but trust in him this day and cling to him And one day we will see the the beauty and the joy of that being revealed as we meet him face to face. Please pray with me. Almighty God, your providing hand is good to us, whether it comes in judgment or in mercy, whether it comes in correction or in love and in forgiveness. And Father, may we look at a passage such as this and conclude we need you, God, to provide. And the beauty in offering that prayer and asking that to you, O God, as you joyfully answer it, and I will provide. And I have provided. Lord, encourage your people this day. Give us strength for the days ahead. Lord, be ever with us. Place our hope in Christ and ever be by our side as you were with Abraham, as you were with Isaac, you were with Jacob. We pray all of these things in the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.